0: So I just want to remind you that your listening faces matter, okay? Because I love them all, but they really, really matter. And so without any more belaboring this, our very own Jessica Armstrong.
1: Thank you. I love how he is, like, trying to get you to make me feel better. (laughs) That's an amazing start, Rick. Good morning. Um, Happy, happy Mother's Day. I just want to look around and see your faces. So many mamas. Um, We have... An incredible group of moms that I am just constantly so impressed by in this church. And many of you have helped to parent me in many ways. Gosh, I'm looking, I'm like, where are they? Here we go. Here's a few. Where's Cheryl? Someone tell me where Cheryl is. There she is. Uh, My mother-in-law, obviously, who I adore. Um, So just thank you from the bottom of my heart for being just loving, gracious, beautiful, beautiful women that show God's heart. So um, did you have just the best mom ever? Anyone have that? Yes, quite a few yeses. Um, I am losing my voice today, and I'm talking as loud as I can. So um, Owen, do what you can with that. Um, so many yeses, so many great moms. Mothers are just a testimony to God's love. By just this like patient help and this compassion that a mom has for a child, God would make himself known to us. Isn't that crazy? Um, Many aren't as lucky. Many did not have a uh, fantastic parent experience. That's not uncommon. But God says to that in um, Isaiah 49, he says, how could a mom forget the child she has born? How could a mom forget this little baby in her arms? Even though she may forget, I will not forget you. I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. He just absolutely loves you. Yes. All that to say, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy, happy Mother's Day. All right. First things first. Today is um, really about stories. We've got two stories that are very, very similar for you. Um, But I want you to hang on to this one thought, this one truth. You do have excellent listening faces, by the way. Um, This one truth to hang tight to as we um, worship and pray today. Hang tight to this, that you are God's child in the most important relationship of your entire life. And like Mike said, your life is built on relationships. Your life is made up of relationships. And of the most important one of your entire life, your role in that is the child. You get to be the kid. Yay, says everyone with gray hair, right? You get to be the kid there. Um, Jesus just gave us such a gift when he taught us to approach this all-powerful God as our father because sometimes it's, it's really hard to reconcile these vast Parts of God, this all-powerful creator who flattened armies and saved his people for the sake of his own name, who um, put boundaries around oceans. We could go on and on. Half the Bible is just talking about how great and huge and vast and unsearchable God is. It's pretty hard to um, to approach that guy, right? How do I dare approach this God? Well, I come to him as a child, and that was a really cool gift that God, or that Jesus gave us to approach God in this way. So, Um, in these prayer conversations, in our relationship with him, that is our role. And that's how he taught us to interact with God. So in this series on prayer, um, that's what I want you to hold tight to. Okay. Um, Goodness. I... Have a story, like I said, that I hope will give you confidence to pray to him that way, to talk to your father as his father, your father in heaven. And notice, I think Rick said this a couple weeks ago, Jesus doesn't lessen how big God is. It's your father in heaven. He's a perfect, like really big, really all-powerful father. But that should comfort you, know that your dad is the one who is in charge of all the things everywhere. Yes, so I love a good story. So here we go. If you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1, and Jesus is teaching um, the crowds who are all around him, who are following him, and he's kind of accused of welcoming sinners and tax collectors. Uh, verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, like they're gossiping about him kind of, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with oh, them. all the horror. <laughs> Um, But that would have been a big deal because people like prostitutes, tax collectors, the sinners, notice how it's in quotation marks. I like Luke for doing that. The ones labeled sinners made you unclean. So you had to go through this whole ceremonial shebang to be clean again. So it was a big deal. Um, for Jesus to be doing that, they would not have done that. That's not their jam. Um, But the word welcomes here is used by Luke a few other times and means eagerly awaiting um, or expecting and looking for. And they're accusing Jesus of doing that. He's expecting and looking for sinners to come and eat with him. What a doofus. Like, what's he doing? Um, and these, these parables, these stories, all through chapter 15, there's three of them, um, is Jesus' response to that accusation. And what's funny, he's essentially saying, um, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, that's his answer to them. Is like, yes, you are 100% right. That's exactly what I'm doing. So we're going to jump down to the third parable, the third story that Jesus tells in verse 11. Um, we're going to pick up there. But the first two that you're missing is, is uh, a lost sheep. A shepherd goes out and searches for his lost sheep, and a woman is searching and goes out searching for her lost coin. And in this story, um, God is the father, and he's out watching and waiting, like that welcoming, expecting and looking for part of that story, yes? Okay, so verse 11, this third parable. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. This was um, incredibly insulting in their day because a son wouldn't usually receive his part of an estate until the father had died. So that's like the son saying to him, "Um, You are as good as dead to me, or I care more about your money than I care about you. So this would have been pretty heartbreaking for that dad. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, the one who just took all his dad's stuff, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And wild living is code for everything you think it is. It's crazy stuff. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, this guy's got nothing. There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Running away from God starts out feeling really free, like you got away with something, and just ends in utter misery just alone and in a lot of pain. Yeah. That free feeling is just deception by the enemy who wants to destroy you. Don't engage that. Don't, don't welcome that. That's just, it's a trick, so don't indulge it, yes? All right. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, the son, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. He's, um, He's not making excuses here. He knows the severity of what he's done. He knows he's shamed his dad, he's shamed his family. He's really not behaved well. That's putting it pretty lightly. Um, But he knows he's going to die out there. So he makes this plan to go back, to turn home, just humiliated and defeated. He turns toward back home. Verse 20, it's getting good here, you guys. Verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Remember that, that welcoming word? Could anything just, like, bless your heart more than that? His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son.' But the father said to his servants, "'Quick, bring the best rope and put it on him. Bring a, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet.' Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, um, but now he's found. In the most important relationship you will ever have, you are the child. That gets to be you. You're the one who gets to come home now. Sorry, this is getting really personal. (laughs) Gosh. I would like to tell you my version of that story. We all, a lot of us, have that story. That belongs to a lot of us who know Jesus. We were, If you know Jesus, if you've said yes to him and you're his kid, that's your story, you know? We all get that. All right, my version of it. This is where the notes get squiffy, so hang on tight, you guys. Very squiffy. Um, I grew up in Montana, uh, loved it there. It's beautiful in the Missoula area. And I spent a lot of time with an aunt and uncle who I just adore. The names are Sharon and Roy. Um, Roy still lives there. He works at Cedar Products and makes all things cedar. It's just beautiful, beautiful carpentry work. So cedar, if you've ever smelled it, like it's the smell of my childhood. That's what Sharon and Roy just smelled like all the time because they were both carpenters. So that just came to me this morning. I thought, oh, I remember that. I remember that smell. But we spent a lot of time with them. And I loved, loved to be with them because they would take us out to eat. It just was so fun. It was so fun. And anytime we had family together or there was any occasion we came into town, into Missoula, um, we would go to the Pizza Hut on Broadway. I know there's a lot of Montana people here, Pizza Hut on Broadway. And there's these like arcade games in the corner, and um, like red, they still had like their same red glasses of soda we weren't technically allowed to have, but Sharon let us have it anyway. Just a lot of good, funny memories. Well, my aunt, um, she had type 1 diabetes, and she had no legs. And this is important for one reason. She's in a wheelchair. And so every time we went there, we went to the same table. And it took me years to figure out, why don't they let us sit anywhere else? Like, what is the deal here? It's because her wheelchair had to go. That's the only table she could roll up to. It's very crowded. Um, So we always sat at the same table, same exact table, just tons of really great memories there, Okay. So I was pretty small, and it came about to my chin. If I, like, I could do this on the table, if I stretched, I could put my chin on the table. And um, if I just tilted my head like a little bit, I could see underneath um, like hundreds of little white blobs of chewed up gum <laughs> stuck up under the table. Um, have any of you been to Silverwood and seen the, the gum tree at Silverwood? It's so stinking gross. Anyway, I, I have a theory that this is Missoula's version of that because there's so much gum. And it was, it was like a childhood tradition. I don't know. People put a lot of gum up there. It was just like this iconic spot. It's so gross. Sorry, Ali's making this like disgusted face. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Ali. It is so gross. Um, but we'd sit there every single time. So I thought, clearly a lot of people are doing this. So I had, I had gum that day. I remember my grandma was with us. She always had gum. I can taste it now. I had gum, and I thought, I'm going to be, I want to do it. Like, I want to participate in this long-lasting tradition. So I pulled it out of my mouth, and I go to stick it up under there, and Sharon, like, came up out of her little wheelie chair and was like, don't you dare put that there. Like, mega-scold. I can't say it without smiling, because she never scolded us. But don't you put that there. Someone's going to have to clean that up. And I was like, clearly not. <laughs> There's just so much coming in there. No one's cleaning it up, I guarantee you. But she's tall. She can't see it. And I was so bummed I didn't get to participate. But I thought, surely, surely no one has that job. Surely they don't make anyone actually do that. Fast forward 10, 15 years, <laughs> and some of you, if you've known me a few years, you know what's coming. I moved to Spokane in 2008 and got a job at the only place I could find in the middle of that horrible recession, at a Pizza Hut as a waitress and I did I loved I love that job that's the first place I learned that I really love people and I want to interact with them and hear their stories and you have this 30 40 minute revolving door of humans coming in and out and I thought oh gosh my shy terrified self loves these people I love them bring me all the people and I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord for that job because I'd have never known that about myself if I hadn't just been thrown out there to the wolves you know so anyway I am working as a waitress at this pizza hut um, years later, Patrick and I are married about two two three years and we were we were not good. Um, we got married really, really fast, and at that point we 're on just the very edge of divorce it was It was pretty bad, and it was both of us. It was a lot of um, grief and trauma on his end and a lot of confusion and weird expectations and Crazy, lots of crazy on my end. Um, but the worst, I think, what just like really blew all of that up is we, had, we just walked away from church completely. We met at a church, actually, leading worship at a church, go figure. And we, um, we just quit. We were done. Things got hard, and God did not make sense. There were stories of just pastors that had just completely failed us. And there's just an abusive pastor in my history that got really ugly, and I could not reconcile that. I was like, I just, I love people, but I hate these people. I don't want to deal with church, really. It just felt so like I had to be okay to be there, and I couldn't pretend to be okay. So we were done. I worked a ton, a ton of hours. I worked crazy hours because I didn't want to go home. It was too painful to be at home. And that really does make Patrick sound like such a jerk, but it wasn't just him. It was both of us. We were both really, really not in a good spot. So this particular day, um, it was so stinking slow. There were no customers. Um, but I would clean random things to try to stay. Like, don't send me home, I'll clean anything just to keep the hours. I don't want to go home. And so I found myself sitting in just the worst of it, the worst bit of our marriage, the worst bit of all of it, sitting underneath a very dark, sticky table, scraping gum off the underside of a table. (laughs) And I, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, I'll clean anything. I'll go do that. That's fine. But I sat under there, and I realized I had this handful of disgusting gum and I don't know about you other waitresses, but we don't carry flashlights in our pockets, So I couldn't see. So I'm just feeling for gum and scraping off. It was so gross, you guys. I was desperate, obviously. Um, this day, carrying just the heavy, 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 constant heavy load that is a failing marriage. This day, with a handful of gum, I just started bawling like ugly crying under this Pizza Hut booth. Erica, can you Kleenex me? I have them stashed on my chair. I knew that would happen. I just started crying. Thanks so much, friend. She's the sweetest, if you don't know her. Um, She is, I love you. I started crying, and it was like the weight of everything hit me from my childhood with Sharon, who was very much a mother to me. We lost her when I was 15, and all of this Coming up to this point and seeing all the times that I'd failed and all the times that I had hurt the people that I love and the times I had just I just walked away from God. And it was this moment of, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your child. But I was so desperate and so stuck and so stinking scared. And uh, like this weird mean joke, I was now sitting under a table. It was just so embarrassing. And I had this thought and this just little tiny bit in my mind that if like if a customer finally walks in right now and I have to crawl out from underneath this stinking table covered in snot and tears, that's going to look so weird. <laughs> it's just going to be the most embarrassing moment. Um, but I didn't care. I was That was not at the front of my mind. And usually it would be, please don't embarrass me. That's my worst fear, right? I, didn't, I just didn't care. I think I had really... <laughs> Really given up there. I'm no longer worthy to be called your kid. That's just the best way to say what I was feeling. Um, but then just out of nowhere, I heard God speak to me. And it was one of, one of four times in my life that it was, it was like an actual voice. Usually when God speaks to you, it's just straight to your heart. And this was just a voice. It really was. And um, when God speaks to you, it's like this—this this like brick in your brain. That's the best way I can describe it. This brick in your brain, something solid that was not there before, but it's solid now. You know, and um, He'll speak to you really just through His Spirit inside you or through His Word a lot. And it's this moment where you're—you're you're just notice all of a sudden He has your attention, that you are alert and listening to what He has to say. And I just want to tell you that because sometimes it's really hard to know when God is speaking to you. So watch in your heart for that. Like I'm suddenly alert. I think he's talking to me. Watch for that. Like, pay attention to your heart when he speaks, okay? God spoke to me under this sticky, greasy, just, ugh, booth. It was dark. No one could see me under there, right? But what he said was, even here I see you. Just clear as day. Even here I see you. And the worst of everything, um, really believing that I was dazed from a divorce. <laughs> um... Even here, I see you. And in that moment, I knew that he knew where I was and that I was not okay. And I um, eventually did have to crawl out from under that table, thankfully not because of a customer. (laughs) Hallelujah for that. Um, Still very much hurting, but with the hope of knowing something with my whole heart, knowing with my whole heart something I hadn't known a moment before, and that was that God had his eye on me. And that honestly was all it took to bring me back to where he was. And nothing got better for years, (laughs) huh, babe? It sucked. Um, But... I was okay, because I knew, I knew that he was with me. We didn't come back to church for a hot minute. Like We didn't come back to church until Kelly and Rick came to Spokane to plant Center Church. That was our first toe back into this church family. Pretty crazy. Okay, okay. That is my story, and I hope you hear nothing but hope and the good things that God has done through this. Yes, even here I see you. All right, let's look again at the love this father and the story shows us. We're back to verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his sermons, pause. Do you notice how he is not giving in to the son's like backup plan? Like slavery, hired hand was not an option for this dad. He's not, he's not even letting him finish his, you know, embarrassed, remorseful conversation. It's pretty sweet. The dad continues, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have, I always wish that wasn't there because that's gross, but it's a celebration, right? Oh, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Will you notice here, because we're talking about prayer, right? We're talking about, Prayer for a long time. We're not gonna quit bugging you about prayer. When we approach God, I want you to to hang on to this, to remember this, okay? Love, perfect, perfect love, the love that only He can give you, that perfect love, cannot bear to count and measure. He keeps giving. He doesn't say to the Son, yes, I will keep you alive. I will let you live here, but I don't want to see you in my house. You're probably going to be punished. I don't want to see you again. That would be justified in their culture. Like That would be an incredibly gracious response of the father to just let him live to save his life. He doesn't say that. His perfect love just keeps on giving. He says, bring out the best robe, the ring the finger and shoes on the feet. These are not necessities in any way. This is an over-the-top display of the love the father has for his kids. Yes? There's so much in this story that I could talk about. We'd be here for 12 days. There's so much in this story about how the father interacts and intervenes for his child. How he puts clothes on him to keep him from shame. He probably came back home very hungry, very dirty. What does he do? He just covers it all up and says, you are back in my family and welcome home. Right? It's crazy that perfect love will not measure. It will not count. God, that all-powerful creator, who is my father, that's crazy, right? He didn't count or measure or hesitate when he met me there. And then he brought me into his family. He brought me into this family. And I cannot be more grateful when I say Happy Mother's Day to all you fantastic women who have loved me. I mean that with my whole heart. You are a gift to God, a gift from God to me. He brought me to this family. He gave me a husband. He saved my husband. Patrick loves me with his whole heart. More important than that, he loves the Lord. And God told me one time, He someday, you hang on tight, girl, because someday he will love and trust us both. He gave me three little boys who were just pure joy to me. It's the, the best robe and a ring on my finger and shoes on my feet. Just this over-the-top display of love that the Father has for me. That's crazy. This can be your story. Many of you I know will have, have a similar story. This can be your story. If you would like to come home, you can. (laughs) Nothing needs to count for you. No accomplishments, no failures, no status, no loss. Um, None of that counts. He doesn't count that. All that He counts is that you are His child. It's the only thing that He looks at. You are God's child and He is welcoming you. He has His eye on you and He sees you, yes? Alright, will you stand? We are going to worship and pray and like I said, I want you to, to know that. That is my prayer, that through the testimony of myself and Patrick, um, that you could know that. Because if you know with your whole heart, if God is speaking to you something that you didn't know a moment before, but now you know with your whole heart that He is your Father and that He sees you. That is my prayer for you today and that's what I want you to hang on tightly to as we pray, as we worship. Also, there are mamas. Man, Mother's Day is rough. There are moms that we are longing for, and there are babies that we are longing for, that we wish were in our arms now. There's there's a lot of hurt around there. Um, God sees you. God knows, and he sees you. And we just want to acknowledge that hurt from the bottom of my heart and assure you that he sees you and he loves you. Jessica? And Karen, could you guys go to the back for people to pray? Sorry, I didn't ask you that earlier. Could you just go to the back, and these ladies are back here. Um, Andrew, will you be a guy back there and join them? Mike and Chelsea as well. Um, These people are here to pray with you, okay? So I want to just pray for us, and then Allie's going to lead us in some worship. And Oh, goodness, Lord, we are just grateful to be your kids. God, we just pray for these mama's hearts that are hurting and missing their kids, for these kids' hearts that are hurting and missing their parents longing for love. God, would you step in and fill that gap as our perfect father who does not count or weigh or measure. Would you step in and love these that you've made? Would you be a comfort to these hearts that are hurting for the ones that they've lost? Many, many hearts. And God, we just pray a blessing over these moms that you've given us who by their love we know you we know you better because they love so stinking well and god we in our hearts we turn towards home and we turn towards you god we are not worthy to be your kids but you take us and you wrap your arms around us and put A ring on our finger and the best robe and shoes on our feet when we deserve nothing of the sort you just take us and you love us over the top in just a really crazy way god we are grateful would you help us just know in our hearts that that's the truth it's not it's not a nice thought it's really the truth it's something stable that we can stand on and build our lives on So God, as we worship and we pray, we just give all the glory to you, Lord, for every good work that you've done in our lives, for every moment where you were there. You see us and you care and you love us with a perfect love that does not count or measure. We're just so thankful we love you.
0: goodness for technology it says the thief comes to steal comes only to steal and kill and destroy this is Jesus's warning about what the devil what the enemy is going to try to do in your life probably likely even right now he's trying to that joy that hope that god's put in your heart he's trying to steal the encouragement that his word has put in you he's trying to kill any dreams that you have when jesus teaches this though he doesn't stop there he says i have come that they may have life and have it to the full yes. that's his rebuttal and guess what He's God. Yes. so he wins yes. that's good news So all of that attempting to steal from you, to rob you, to try to kill your dreams, to kill the things about your life that are good. Jesus says, I have 41, 41. And not only am I gonna give you life, I'm gonna give it to you abundantly. That's incredible, that's incredible. So I'm gonna pray that over each and every one of us, even the people who couldn't be here today who couldn't be at church because they're lame. (laughs) That's online, okay? I say that with confidence. I'm going to pray for the, the entire group because I am confident that he's working in your heart and your mind even this moment to steal that goodness. And Jesus says, I've won. I've won. So God, we lift up your name and we praise you. And we thank you for Jesus, who you sent to pay the bill to change our lives, to take our sin on like the Father in that story and welcome us back despite the stains, bumps, bruises, smells, all of the things that that son brought back into that reunion, the Father said, I don't care. And Jesus has said the same thing. He said, I have come that we may have life. To the fullest. And so, God, I pray that we would believe that. I pray that we would buy into that. I pray that we would know that, not just in our minds, but that we would feel that in our hearts today. And then we would go forth today and this week and this month and we would carry that with us a knowledge of the enemy's efforts to steal the goodness. And the knowledge and the power that comes with Jesus' words that I have come to give you life to the fullest. That opportunity is out there, and we thank you for that. So I pray that we would embrace that. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. But before we do that, I want to read you this psalm Because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes this group is a little less energetic than I think we should be when it comes to singing songs and singing praises to our God. Now, I'm not condemning you. I'm encouraging you here, okay? So this is what was written about the Israelites in Psalm 135. It said, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord, praise Him you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. That's where we are. That's where we are right now. In their day, it was a physical place. In our day, it's a gathering of people, that's us. Praise Him you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is
1: pleasant. Let's sing.